Life Radio. Stories at the intersection of music and life. Welcome to another episode of Music Life Radio. I am your host, Dan Sauter. Music Life Radio is a free podcast available on iTunes and your interwebs at musicliferadio.com, and it features interviews and stories about and related to music. Today on the program, we feature Zachary James, songwriter and frontman for the Zachary James and the All Seen Eyes Band, along with fellow band and soulmate Alexandra Starlight. Zachary James started his rock career in the Thunder Boys with Gearhead Records, but quickly moved on to his current project. Zachary's influences verge on his interstellar affection for cosmic rock and roll, addressing themes of space, specters, and the supernatural with a playful, synth-infused glam rock twist. We talk with Zachary about his musical career and share stories with partner Alexandra. We also learn some superstar news announced exclusively on Music Life Radio and showcase some live acoustic songs featuring both Zachary and Alexandra. All right, well, guys, welcome back to Music Live Radio. How are you guys yeah. doing today? We're great. Thanks for having us. All awesome. Right. So, welcome yeah, Zachary thanks. James. Yeah, thanks, Dan. And Alexandra Starlight. Thank you, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about the Zachary James band and the All Seeing Eyes. Yeah, All Seeing Eyes. So, Zachary, last time you were on the program, we were focusing more on Alexandra, but let's yeah. get into your story. All right, let's get today. into it. So where did it all start? Oh, boy. All right, let's see. Well, I was born in Santa Monica. I lived a bunch of places. I, I grew up, for the most part, in Ventura, and that's where I got my, my start with music. I, I started playing in middle school. I picked up a classical. I started playing stand-up bass for a few years. Um, then I got kind of sick of that, and I bought an, an electric guitar. Oh, no, I take that back. I bought electric bass first. Okay, so I went classical stand-up to electric bass. Started a band called the Thunder Boys. Okay, that was your first band. Then. That was my yeah. first band, yes. And then, like, maybe three months into it, I got I got bored of playing bass because I just wasn't I wasn't that great. I didn't have a handle on it yet. Yeah. So I, I got a guitar, and uh, it just kind of came to me easier than bass did at the moment. Um, and then a few months later, I was able to play, and then I ended up playing guitar in that band, yeah. Well, what about the guitar was more comfortable for you? I just feel like I didn't have a deep enough understanding of playing the bass where I, I couldn't like manipulate the four strings into what they needed to be. Like guitar, there's so many more possibilities. You got six strings and you can do full chords and all that stuff. You know, it was just like there was just more for me to dig into. I just didn't I didn't have a good enough understanding of the bass at that time. But I play bass now, so now I got yeah. it figured out. <laughs> yeah, it came to me now. But yeah, and I mean I've just always loved guitar players and whatnot, you know what I mean? I, I kind of went to bass just because it was woodshop or classical, and I figured I could probably teach myself how to build a box. I, I'd probably need some <laughs> help with a, a bass. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's how that all started. <laughs> now, what kind of music were you listening to when you were growing up? Obviously, it sounds like you jumped right into after the classical rock and roll, obviously, yeah. but what, what kinds of stuff? Well, growing up, my mom listened to a lot of Alice Cooper and The Who, ah. so I love Cooper and I love The Who. My dad was obsessed with The Stones and Bob Dylan. Yeah, actually, my brother's name is Dylan, and he was named after Bob Dylan. So that was a good foundation. And then from there, <laughs> when I was in middle school, you know, playing the classical, I was listening to a lot of New York Dolls. And actually, we'd have these, like, these performances, and they, they would make me wear, you know, like, slacks and a dress shirt. But I would, I would paint my fingernails pink or red <laughs> just to mess with everyone in, in the... In the Ensemble. Yeah, on the, the string ensemble. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, couldn't really, they couldn't really get me to take off the nail polish once we were already there. Well, too late. So yeah, a lot of New York Dolls, a lot of punk rock. I guess that was me yeah, rebelling against that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Johnny Thunders, New York Dolls, Velvet Underground, and then from there, it just—I mean, the Ramones. Obviously, the whole New York scene was like really was really really important. In my early days, for sure. I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but the All Seen Eyes. Yeah. That music seems to have a little bit of a psychedelic feel yeah. to it as well. I mean, were you influenced by Rocky Erickson or I any of those? I love Rocky Erickson. Yeah. I mean, I love his solo work more than I than Thirteen Floor Elevators. Mm. I love Thirteen Floor Elevators. I think that that was like I think they started psychedelic music basically, 
in America and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I love Rocky Erickson. I just love how bizarre it all is. I mean, it's just so. That's what's cool about psychedelic music, you know. I mean, like I love music from the '60s, but it, it's definitely not a direct influence. Like musically, like mm -hmm. chord changes and different things. In the '60s, you won't really ever find that in the music. But the idea of it and everything, you know, I feel like the band is a space for me and anyone else who involved to just be really weird and just do stuff that's really fun and out there and outside of the box. So that that aspect, yes, I love psychedelic music for that reason because they're so outside the box. Yeah, those guys, we had uh, Powell St. John, who actually mm -hmm. wrote a bunch of those Rocky Erickson uh, oh. episodes a long time ago. He's so cool. He's got to be close to 80, if not wow. already. He's still, he lives in Berkeley, and he's um, still playing with uh, a band called the Aliens, which includes yeah, some of the original uh, Rocky. They were a backing band for Rocky Erickson yes. for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So cool. That's, That's the best band name ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is a little bit of a, just kind of an interesting topic I wanted to get yeah. into. You are one of the taller rock and roll guitar players that I've seen. I'm clocking in at 6'7". My mom's 5'11", so she's pretty yeah. tall, and my dad's 6'4", so they're both pretty tall. Yeah, it's crazy. I didn't really have to do with it when I was younger, you know. I mean, in, in, <laughs> in early school and whatnot, like, it was it was a lot to handle. But now, you know, you can kind of take the, the attention and, and uh, use it for the music, use it for my advantage, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It works. But yeah, I mean, actually, we just got a new guitar player. His name is Steve Steve Campos, and he's about my same height. Oh, so really? now we're just... <laughs> yeah, he's 6'5". We're a couple inches different. But still, he's like towering next to me, too. So yeah. he plays in both Starlight Band and All Seeing Eyes. So now each state on both sides of the stage is just towering monsters. It's, it's pretty cool. Now, do you play... We with... call them the Twin Towers. Yeah, do you guys... Do you wear... I've seen you wear platforms... Too as well, right? I, a couple I, extra inches. I have some platforms. <laughs> I've got some boots with a couple inch Cuban heels. But I think the best was I had, I had these red knee high Python platforms that could have been could have belonged by uh, Arthur Arthur Killer Kane, oh, Arthur Killer Kane, <laughs> R.I.P. Uh, and they had. Uh, was it one, two, three, four quad stack platforms on the front? So it was about an inch a, <laughs> inch of stack. They were like four inches, and I was over seven feet tall, and it was just insane. <laughs> it was crazy. So now I just kind of try and exaggerate and, you know, why not? Are there any other rock and rollers that are that tall that, you I know, think Julia like, Ramone was, what, 6'5"? He was, yeah, he was pretty tall. 6'4 yeah. or so. So yeah. um, other than that, I don't know many. I, <laughs> God, I feel like there was some reason I found out it was really tall, but now I'm totally blank. I feel like Dan Aykroyd, even though he's not totally a musician, but he's like a player. Yeah, yeah. Like Blues Brothers. I feel like he was really tall, but I don't know. I could be making that up. Yeah. Yeah, plus when you're on stage, you got an extra, what, like five feet or something on <laughs> Yeah, you people just must just be craning and hurting their necks. I know, must right? hurt after. <laughs> It's like the movie theater, you know? No one wants to get too close because they don't want to hurt their neck. Are there any challenges in playing an instrument, uh, being that size on stage? No, not at all. That's Great. that's the one thing that's come really easy is playing instruments to me. Yeah. So I got lucky with that one. You but got yeah. probably bigger. Uh... Yeah, you know, bass is really easy because yeah. I got the wide stretch. Piano, yeah. I can hit <laughs> like, I you know, I can do octaves and then a couple of keys at least, a couple whole steps. And I probably can't really do the windmill too well because I would take up the entire venue. I think we'd have to have the You'd show outside. the ceiling. And the exactly. <laughs> and just rip the place in half like a can opener. So let's get right into <laughs> Thunderboys, I guess. I mean, that yeah. was the uh, first band you started in. Talk a little bit about that. I played in a couple bands. I Well, not a couple. I played in one other like punk rock band before that, but it wasn't really my band. Um, but the Thunderboys were my first real band that I had a lot of creative um, say in and whatnot. A couple friends of ours and, and myself, we were all listening to a lot of punk rock at the time. And at that time, it was more street punk, more like UK82 type stuff, like Discharge and GBH, you know, a little bit more on the thrashy side. And we nice. were listening to a lot more of like 77, like later kind of power pop and Chuck Berry and a lot of the old kind of more blues and rock and roll, you know, stuff that had a little more melodic quality than the, just the thrashy kind of stuff. So we thought we would make a band kind of in that same vein of the later 70s punk bands from England and, you know, America as well. We all were obsessed with Johnny Thunders. Well, I was, and then they, and then eventually they were. <laughs> so you can um, play it for him incessantly. For I know. Him. Actually, I, the first time I met a few of them, I had a, I had a New York Dolls shirt on. It was like in pink cursive, and they thought that you know they, they all call me gay or something. It was like <laughs> stupid, dumb, stupid thing. Can I say that? Yeah. I don't even know. Um, you can say anything you want on this. Okay, show. cool. Yeah. That, that's good to know. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we were obsessed with Johnny Thunders, and um, 
we would we would hang out downtown Ventura all the time and all wear our Johnny Thunder shirts and our leather jackets. And there was a group of girls who would stalk us that we didn't we didn't know at the time. <laughs> and since they didn't know any of us, but they would just follow us around and watch us, they called us the Thunder Boys because we all had Johnny Thunder's t-shirts on. So we thought that'd be a really funny story to tell. Yeah. And afterwards, I ended up hating the name actually for a long time because <laughs> I was always a boy forever, and it was like <laughs> totally backfired. But when you're actually cool. a boy, you don't want to be a boy. Exactly <laughs> right. I don't want to be a boy. I'm not a boy. <laughs> now it's like, damn, I should have kept that name. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that was the start of the name and the band, you know, and not a lot of people were doing that at the time. I mean, there was a few bands, um, but as far as locally, in Ventura there wasn't. I mean, uh, actually, Alexandra had a group called the Hollywood Harlots we played with a lot, and they were doing a similar kind of late 70s, heavy blues type deal. Um, our friend's band, Slither Sleeze, they were really cool back then. They were from L.A. TV Two Parts. There was a bunch of like, there was, there was a few, there was a small handful of us that were doing the kind of late 70s punk thing. Again, more melodic and more, more, uh, it's like just really shitty Chuck Berry riffs because no one could really play guitar I that well. And yeah, and plain leather jackets with no paint on them and all that other stuff. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that's how that started. That was back in, oh man, I was 14 at the time. That was, I'm like, what, 20? Yeah, around 2000 or so, we started that group and then played together for a few years. Um, the lineups kind of shifted and we finally got a solid lineup. Um, yeah, and then, and when I, God, we were being a couple for a couple years. We recorded a demo. Some some guys in Ventura had seen the group and thought we were like they really liked it. And we had this horrible four track cassette we'd recorded in a garage. It was total trash, but you know it was like MySpace days. We had to have something up there to like show people we could play because we were yeah. like also proud we could like actually play like a full chord and like maybe a little solo because like chord. yeah like <laughs> a bar chord and a solo was so rare in punk rock those days. It was like power chord and then like maybe some like oh gotcha yeah, bad yeah. octaves at most. You I know see so full chord. Yeah. Full chord. <laughs> yeah, you got to have a full bar chord. Like, we were doing yeah. open chords. And um, <laughs> anyway, so someone got a hold of that four-track cassette, you know, and um, he actually plays bass in the All Seeing Eyes now, and they put up the money and time to co-record us in this really nice studio. We got to record where Slayer had just been. Like, their tape was on the mixing board. It's like, Carrie King, guitar track one, two, three, four, and it's like a million wow, guitar cool. tracks. Yeah. It was really cool. <laughs> so they had actually taken those recordings after we had done those, and um, we had got a, uh, an offer from Atlantic Records, to sign to them, but I had just recently been turned on to Jet at that time, and I was mortified. No offense, Jet. I'm sorry, but I got to say it. I was mortified of becoming Jet because the song, their big single, was Lust for Life, just to a T. It was a total ripoff, and I was so uh-huh. scared that like something, someone was going to come along and make us play these ripoffs. So yeah. lo and behold, we meet with some people, and they write songs for us, and they were total ripoffs. <laughs> You're like, like, this isn't what I signed yeah. up for. And they were like, you guys are so great. Like, the songs are so cool. And I'm like, well, the songs are so cool. Why are you trying to write songs for us then? <laughs> what the hell? So um, so they're like, okay, we're going to have a showcase. Oh I know. I, I'm not saying I condone this behavior now, but it was fun then. Um, so so they were like, okay, we're going to have a showcase for you. We're gonna, we have a friend coming out from New York, you know, an NR from Atlantic, and he's going to come see your group. Like, All right, cool. We set up a show. And then, for whatever reason, we decided to sabotage it. We, we totally sabotaged the showcase. They came out. We got completely be- belligerently wasted before. And like, <laughs> I was like talking to, to the crowd and the people who came out. And afterwards, they were like, it's cool. It's cool. We know you like drank a lot. You know, don't worry about it. Like, let's go talk some biz. I was like, you know what? I got a party to go to. And I just like walked away. It was crazy. It was ridiculous. But that was basically the mindset. I'm trying to paint the picture of the reality back then. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. Just out of control. Do you have but, any regrets about the way you guys acted? <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't have regrets because, I mean, even if something would have happened, then we were so crazy. Like, say if yeah. a record deal would have happened and we would have had, like, opportunities and money, we would have destroyed all of it because we were just so self-destructive at the time. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think someone would have probably died and we probably would have burned a lot of bridges in the industry and I probably wouldn't be able to do anything that I'm doing right now. Oh, so then it actually worked out. I think it worked Almost out. Like. You know, and then, you know, later on down the road, once we kind of got it together, yeah. we signed with Gearhead Records, which is yeah. a cool um, record label. Oh, actually, wow. out from out here, they're, they're in Davis now. Northern California punk rock record label. They had like the Hives and the Donnas and the Helicopters. Yeah, did they put out a, uh, a magazine too? Mm-hmm. Or is, yeah. Actually, right when we signed with them, they were... They were one unit. It was the magazine, the label, and they were all one. But right as we signed them, they were kind of parting ways to do their own things, the magazine, okay. the label. But um, they were really great. And that was um, around 2006. I think that was 17 or so. We signed with Gearhead Records, and we did a great tour with them. They put together for us with this other band called uh, The White Barons. And I walked the line. We were all their new signees of the year. So they put us out on the road, and we did South by Southwest that year. And we were like, 
17 years old, just like having the craziest time of our lives driving across country. Like we literally, the day we left, our bass player, Dylan, got his driver's license. We picked him up at the DMV just so he could help share the drive. <laughs> we pulled up the DMV. He's like, I got it. He had like his paper, like permitted. <laughs> we're like, cool, jump in the van. Let's go. And we just like went. Yeah, it, was, it was really cool. It was great. that seems like for a band starting out uh, something at a little bit of a smaller level mm-hmm. uh, a gearhead I, I remember listening to uh, Tom York of yeah. uh, Radiohead mm-hmm. talking about how they just got thrust into this yeah. success right off the bat and yeah, they didn't scary. want that they were totally. like no we don't want this we're gonna you know we, we are afraid we're gonna destroy ourselves exactly you, you gotta know? learn the ropes I feel yeah. like it's it's dangerous I mean I I mean, I'm still learning every day, but I mean, at least yeah. I've got a little more knowledge now because we've been doing it for about over a decade now. Yeah. So, but yeah, I do, I do think that's dangerous. I mean, when you get thrown into that kind of situation at such a young age, you just have no idea what to do with it. You don't understand politics and the business aspect of it. And that's when you get screwed over too. I mean, yeah. at least, you know, now Alexander and I, we do, we've done everything ourselves, you know, like now we're, we're lucky enough to have other people helping us and we've got a team built up that do things for us, but we know how they're supposed to be done and how we'd like them and everything to run, you know, which extremely beneficial yeah i'd say a a lot of uh people starting off you know back you hear a lot of these biographies or whatever of 60s and 70s 80s rockers who left all that stuff up to their management and they got they had taken over they got screwed over every time every time it's just (laughs) when you don't know you go into a situation so ignorant yeah yes agreed (laughs) i totally agree um Yeah, you know, you got to know what's right and wrong and how you, and there's different ways to run things, you know, mm-hmm. you got to know which way is right for you and your, and your band and everything. And I mean, we've, you know, Alexander and I have started our own record label so we can kind of oversee things and do it the way we want to, because especially now just the internet, you know, and I mean, bands have access to such amazing things nowadays. You can just do it all your own. Yeah. So what does a record label mean in this day and age? I mean, like, what is your model? What are you, what how well, our okay. I've got theories on the industry, and, and but our, as far as our model, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's 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 all independent. We try. I mean, because basically now all the record labels are just outsourcing all their work anyway. You know, I mean, there's yeah. no in-house anybody anymore. They so they want you to be able to basically do it all yourself. Exactly, anyway. especially now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you want to get a good record label or a good deal, if those even exist, you have to be able to deliver on your own, and then they'll just come in as basically an investor, you know, and give you that extra boost, you know, and kind of run you through their machine because they. They rule. I mean, basically now it's what it's like Warner and Universal. Pretty soon, so it's like two. Pretty soon it's gonna be one. It's gonna be New World Record Industry Order. <laughs> it's gonna be one record label running the whole thing. This is what I think is gonna happen. I think that the niche and independent artists, because there's so many, there's so many little niches now. Anyone can fit in anywhere, and you could have a career. I mean, you can you can mm-hmm. build a career. I mean, you're not gonna have. 20 cars and like a mansion but you can totally sustain or you can do what you exactly. need to do to yeah and do what you want to do and how you want to yeah. do it i think forever just because of the internet and how easy it is to make records i mean i can have a laptop i could someone just made a record on their iphone and i mean you can take that iphone then you can mail those files to cd baby they'll serve it digitally yeah. and you yeah. can have digital distribution worldwide from all from your phone yeah. so i think i think the major labels are gonna cease to exist on on basically any kind of cool level it'll be 
it'll be left for all the mainstream and the manufactured pop artists, you know, and that kind of stuff. Because I feel like there will always be room for that. There'll always be people buying that and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, as far as our business model, try and no keep it. Auto-tune, hi-fi. Yeah, no auto tune, high fidelity. I don't, I don't understand why people don't want high quality music. There's like a lo-fi movement happening. And well, let's get into this a little bit. What do you think about vinyl, and what should the future of uh, digital audio be? I know Neil Young has this thing that he was calling Pono. I don't know where it's at, mm-hmm. but it was like super high res, you know, high quality digital audio. That's really cool. Yeah, and it, yeah. and everybody that's heard his system says it's awesome. Really? I'm really excited about waiting, you know, for that to come out because mm-hmm. these MP3s that you get really blow. I mean, they're, they're terrible. The quality is so bad. <laughs> I know you get those hi hats where it's yeah. it's like they're yeah. weird sounds. They yeah. like they're they're horrible files. Um, well, we love vinyl. Yeah, I will say that. You know, I mean, that's <laughs> that's we. I mean, we do CDs as well, but we do we put out a lot of really cool limited edition vinyl. Um. I released a record in December of 2012 called Space Case. We did a five-color galaxy swirl with silver glitter to look like the Milky Way. Alexandra's done a couple really cool limited edition records. She did a rainbow, and these are all hand-done, handmade, yeah. all rainbow glitter. And the, we did a, a heart-shaped cutout with an arrow through it for Valentine's Day. So we definitely love vinyl, and that's definitely part of our, our record label and business model, to make things that are tangible you know, but I mean, also you have to make things that are accessible for for everybody. So we do do digital, you know. And but well, yeah, MP3s definitely have a place because it's very convenient for to sure. Portable devices take with you, exactly. and you know, it, it's definitely a good way. You know, you're working out, you can't okay. bring your record player with you. Yeah, you can't create around. Yeah, like a thing of twelve inches. Go old school, yeah. Yeah, totally. That'd be really cool if you could. Though. Yeah. But um, but yeah, you know, it's important to have. But I mean, better quality would be great for sure because so much time in creating all these sounds and then you throw them to an mp3 it's and they just get destroyed lost in a, in a muddy mix yeah <clears throat> it's unfortunate what, what for those people that are looking to get back into vinyl uh where would you recommend people go to find a record player for example man you know there's a lot of places actually you know target yeah. Yeah. okay there's ebay ebay is always great because you don't leave your house mm. <laughs> uh i like to go to stores still so um honestly target target makes great record players you can get them for under a hundred dollars you can even get ones where you can transfer your record on to mp3 Mm -hmm. and plug your phone into it and then you can have you know decent quality and some cool you know you find a rare vinyl you can throw around your phone so honestly and they make really cool like retro looking ones Mm -hmm. but i mean obviously i feel like um there's a lot of local record shops in you know different towns I'm sure everyone's local town has at least one vinyl shop, and they'll usually have like record needles and turntables and power amplifiers. And I know in Ventura, there's a couple really cool underground record vinyl stores. Uh, there's Grady's Record Refugee. There's also this place called American Pie. It's this guy. He has a warehouse. It's just a, it's a warehouse in the middle of the like industrial part of town. Mm-hmm. He sits there drinking beer all day, but he's like this musical genius who knows everything about every vinyl record and he has yeah. the most insane collection and he's he's known worldwide for hunting down like the rarest vinyl ever he'll have he had uh he's obsessed with the beach boys and he had like this one beach boys record there was like 10 alternate covers and the, the little huh. subtle differences were like maybe a color on one letter yeah and then this guy's hand is pitched in a different way like weird huh. and he'd pull them all out he was like obsessed with it but anyway that's a whole other story so yeah Keep local record stores alive. They rule. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about uh, for like uh, stereo system itself? What would you plug your record player in? What do you use, for example? Yeah, Techniques turntable, JBL speakers, and just like a basic power amp. Yamaha. Yeah, like yeah power so amp. nothing, nothing too high. No, or, nothing too crazy. There's a lot of companies that are, you know, like $2,500. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, I would like one of those, but I, <laughs> I, I can't think... justify buying yeah, something that. All right, so what things have you learned doing this uh, in your own way? Yeah, what gems could you share with uh, with us? Man, let's see. Well, as far as booking, like whenever we do a show out of town, we usually book the entire show from scratch. A lot of promoters will reach out to you, you know, and they'll try and throw you on a bill of like random bands that make no sense with your Mm -hmm. own group because they don't really care. They just want to fill time. They get their cut no matter what. So we've, you know, we go straight to the venues every time. I think is really, really, really beneficial for everyone involved, you know, and then we run all the money as well so we can make sure everyone gets paid because so many of these bands get ripped off by promoters. God, we've got so many promoters who owe us, you know, a couple hundred dollars here and hundreds here, you know, and it's just like promoters, man, they can be really sketchy. It's it's unfortunate. (laughs) 
Yeah. Now you, you guys are really, you do a lot of stuff. Like, talk about this Grammy museum that you were just part of. Yeah. Alexandra and I both <laughs> recently performed and gave a Q&A for the Grammys Backstage Pass. It's actually a really amazing opportunity um, that my publicist, Karen, over at Rogers and Cowan hooked up. They basically do these summer session courses where they hand select different emerging artists like in high school. And actually some of them were as young as like 11 and 12. And they do different basically like seminars with artists. They had Cali Swag District. They had, you know, um, the youngest professional drummer alive. We got to go down and do a Q&A with the kids and perform a few songs and it was just amazing i mean they were just so hungry and and smart i think smarter than us <laughs> right i figured out my gym and my what's gem. your gem you figured out your gem <laughs> be easy to work with that's all that matters i would say that is probably huge <laughs> yeah i mean you just you know being a musician myself when you encounter people that are difficult to work with nobody wants to work with those people yeah, exactly <laughs> right you just got to be easy yeah 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 we do the most inconvenient things ever of all time that no one really knows about like we'll play a show in Oakland and load out at 2 and drive overnight to be back in LA for like a 9 a.m. meeting <laughs> and they won't just know just because we didn't want to push it back because yeah. we didn't want to be like, you know what? No, 9 a.m. doesn't work for us. I mean, yeah. Zach is playing a private showcase for PV amplifiers on his birthday. Yeah. And that wasn't even like a topic. We're like, we had booked a little like out of town celebration. Zach's turning 25, quarter of a century. Yeah. And they're like, can you do the showcase? And we're like, yep, yeah, yeah, we can. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. No mention of it just because. Why? You know, like this is the life we want. Yeah, and we you don't keep doing it. So <laughs> we want to keep doing it. So well, we'll celebrate his birthday the next week. I don't know. I, I think it's crucial to just be easy to work with. I mean, even when we're booking bands, we have the bands we book again are easy to work with. They say <laughs> yes with like two emails and it's done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the bands that are annoying who are total buttheads play a show <laughs> the night before in the same city and cancel the week before and don't post on their facebook and you know what i mean like let me use your like whole backline bro and they're just annoying yeah not that whatever but be easy to work with that's true. all that matters <laughs> that's all that matters no that, one cares that just supplies not just the music no just everything. everything yeah you just mm -hmm. you want to work with friends and people who are easy to work with Yes, we're extremely great. We're not like, oh, whatever. We just don't care. Like, we'll just Can't do take it. it for granted. We yeah. don't because we've been working so hard for over a decade that now the bones that get thrown our way, we take them. We don't leave any meat. We don't leave any meat. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Now, what are some other highlights of, of recent stuff? I know you've done some oh stuff like Rolling Stones promotion. Yeah, yeah. Alexandra cool and I were both in the Rolling Stones 50th anniversary tour documentary intro video on their whole tour. The first time Bill Wyman has been back with the Stones, we were on stage. We were inside the tongue and lips. Now, yeah. you probably get those opportunities because you're easy to work with and you've got a good support <laughs> structure, right? Exactly. Yeah. I really hope we're not annoying. <laughs> <laughs> we just, we just tried Even to be easy. Even though we couldn't find your apartment earlier. <laughs> and so we were 10 minutes late. I was contemplating yeah. like just opening the guitar in the hallway and just waiting for someone to open the door. <laughs> Either shut up or come in here. You're in the wrong spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would thought it would actually be kind of funny if you were searching around to different apartments, knocking on them. People would be like, who are these people? Yeah, exactly. Well, she started knocking on the doors. I'm like, I hope you have the right door. This is going to look really bizarre. <laughs> God, you want to split your song? Like, no, go away. Just for the Other listeners, rows. what I mean by that is you guys dress the part of rock yeah. and roll people. Yeah. We'll, we'll get a picture of you guys. And my, uh, my jacket's a bit frayed at the moment. <laughs> Can I just say that, Zach, <laughs> when we're chilling, watching Netflix, yeah. eating, Orange is the new black. eating pizza, 
Zach is wearing his studded jacket and his tight pants and his high heels and all of his jewelry. It's usually PF flyers at night. I, I break it down. That's like yeah. my chill steez. And I'm like, how do you look so good all the time? There is no like breakdown of like Zach out in public versus Zach in bed. Like he sleeps. In he probably his, has motorhead pajamas, right? He sleeps like in pajamas. his <laughs> jeans and his tattoos and his jewelry and his earrings. I do take the tattoos off. Though, yeah, he I, does. <laughs> and I'm just like, I wish I could. You know why I, I, I hang out fully dressed all the time? It's because when I put my feet on wood floor, they slip around and I have to wear <laughs> shoes. So I figure I'll just wear the whole thing all the time. You might as well just wear the whole thing. That's not really real, but I realized that last night I took my shoes off for the first time and I was like, you know what, okay, tonight I'm going to take my shoes off while we watch TV. And then my feet kept slipping around and I just wanted to put my shoes back on. <laughs> really bummed me out. <laughs> well, you're sleeping with prepared. the earring? I do sleep with an earring. Huh. I just, yeah, why take it off? I like how it looks. Just in case anyone's like lurking on me in my sleep. Just in case you need it in your dream. In case you're like Elvis and you die in the toilet, you know, you're fully decked. <laughs> exactly. All right, well, let's... Jump back to your current band, The All Seen Eyes, yeah. and tell us about All right. this project. All Seen Eyes started in 2009 when the T-Boys dissembled. And why did you guys dissemble? Well, there's lots of reasons. <laughs> a couple members were just a little too crazy for their own good, yeah. and we just, couldn't, we just couldn't work together anymore, unfortunately. And how old were you when that... Um, this was, I think I was 18 at the time. Okay, it was, so it within, was the, within three to four or five years. Yeah, that. it was short. It was, it was pretty quick. Um, it was after Sign of the Gear High. We did the tour. We kind of came back, and it kind of just imploded from then on. And uh, it, we kind of like the band got divided up, you know, into little groups of people, and then um, we all just kind of had to part ways. It just it just wasn't working out. Yeah. So at that time, you know, it was just me and Dylan, the bass player, which we were writing all the material at the time. We recorded a full length record for Gearhead to be released, you know, and then we we just couldn't really find people we wanted to play with, and then we had a couple of just disagreements just as far as like the release of the record and visuals and whatnot. So we decided to kind of just go our own way and just kind of start over from scratch. So the label, they, they kept the name and all that stuff. So that was kind of, so they had that. So basically we had to start a whole new The label project. kept the band name. They kept the band name. Interesting. Yeah, that was, that was part of it. Did anybody, did they do anything with that? Or? No, I mean, they yeah. kept it like as us, but just so they could still sell music underneath oh, it, you know, gotcha. and, and yep, everything. Right, right. So, so they kept control of the name. So we couldn't use the name anymore. Yeah. Um, which was cool because I was sick of being a boy. Yeah. So it all worked out. Um, yeah, at that point, you were 18. You were a man. Exactly. <laughs> Thunderman. It's Thunderman Thunder now. There's actually, no, there's a, there's a band in Germany called Thunderboys. They're, they're, all, they're old guys. That's kind of weird. Um, anyways. So yeah, so in 2009, I, I, took, I, took some, I took a little time off. I took a hiatus for maybe a year or so and just kind of just, just hung out and learned some more instruments on my own and just kind of recorded a bunch of weird stuff in my in my bedroom and <laughs> just kind of tripped out for a couple of years. So in 2009, we reformed the band and we called it the All Seeing Eyes. Oh, Before, okay. So it was basically kind of the same band. So it was the same yeah. band. It was me and Dylan and we were still yeah. writing together and we actually the record the the self-titled All Seeing Eyes record half of that was the original Thunderboys full length mm -hmm. that didn't end up getting released. Oh wow. So Gearhead put out a full length. They did a digital release, and we did a single on their record label. But the 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 real full length that was going to come out to T Boys ended up being the All Seeing Eyes self titled record. Then I went, but I went back and I I, I pulled like three or four songs out of it because we weren't allowed to re release some stuff and uh, mm -hmm. re recorded some new material. So and that was self released in two thousand nine on vinyl and CD. And at that time, we had just finally kind of put a band together and started playing. And then me and Dylan ended up parting ways, and I got some more people, and we kept playing and playing, and it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't really gelling as far as players and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So, God, I don't know what year that was, maybe 2010. I guess that was like mid to late 2010. I, I ended up forming Zachary James and the All Seeing Eyes. I was mm -hmm. approached by, by my drummer at the time, well, my drummer now. He approached me back then, you know, and said... They had him and his friends all had a recording studio. He said, you know, why don't we make a record? We'll get all of us to play in it. And they were all really like seasoned touring dudes. Like they'd been playing for, for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And they all just were crazy super shredders. I mean, we ended up having Dick Dale's bass player, you know, and he was yep. an Agent Orange and whatnot. And he recorded the whole Space Case full length with me. 
So we kind of re repackaged the group as Zachary James and the All Sing Eyes, you know, and they would be the band to back me up, and uh, it would kind of just push what I was doing. And I was getting some more trippier, weird stuff with the with the song content, you know, the material like space and conspiracies and aliens and ghost sightings I'd had and whatnot. So it got a little weirder. So anyway, so we went a little we went a little trippier and. We we watched too many weird conspiracy movies while recording, so it just got. <laughs> there's actually there's a song on the self-titled record that we re-recorded that has subliminal messages in it. So I can't tell you what they are. Is that illegal? Is that illegal to have subliminal messages? I don't know. Did I just like get myself in trouble? Anyways, <laughs> we'll um, find out. No, I, I know, right? <laughs> Woo! Shit. But yeah, that's the All Seeing Eyes, and we're still playing now, and it's really great. Uh, mm. We've got a great lineup of people. It's great. I love it. It's awesome. I hate the name. I hate every name, but that's right. <laughs> I'll never be satisfied. I'll never be satisfied. I'm a perfectionist, and it's. Do you hate the all-seeing eyes or the Zachary James part of the name? <laughs> I hate them. I hate them both together. Okay, hate's a strong word. I dislike them because it's so long. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I just don't like it's so long. But like I said, I'll never be satisfied. I'm just never satisfied. That's my point. Well, keeps you moving on. Exactly. Keeps you progressing. I was satisfied. I'd become bloated with satisfaction. So, what influences <laughs> other than conspiracy movies do you, do you have for this project? Well, musically, I love pop songs. I love just songwriting, like just great songwriters. Um, just great songs. It's all kind of focused on that song. Right? Exactly. Just like great melodies. I mean, obviously the Beatles were just like master destroyers of the song. I mean, mm. oh my God. They were just incredible. I mean, they were just born with that talent. They just knew how to write songs. Um, but I mean, I love American rock and roll. I love American music. Like, I mean, I love a lot of the British stuff, but I mean, really, they were just doing American music. Just the, them filtering it all, you know. But as far as like influences, I love power pop. I feel like power pop is is really cool. It's like a perfect blend of punk rock and like some attitude, but with really catchy melodic songs, you know, like that tend to be kind of pretty, you know, and I mean, they can like verge on, you know, maybe like a pretty ballad, but it's still tough. Like, <laughs> it's like the tough way of playing pop. But yeah. I mean, you got to hand it to like Chuck Berry and Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis and... I love Lennon. Yeah, as far as the Beatles, yeah. I love Lennon. I love like his like the dark minor chords and like his weird melodies. Like I like music that is like beautifully twisted. Beautifully twisted, does that make sense? Yeah, right. When I can't run.
Yeah, and I love stuff that's so calculated. That's why I love pop music. It's so calculated because that's just how I am. Like I'm a Virgo, so I'm just so like, yeah. Like I love chess. <laughs> I love playing pool. Like every move is calculated. You know, then the next, the next move, and you know what's gonna happen. Like same with pop songs. I feel like you should be able to guess what's gonna happen next, and it should be calculated, and it should be, it should lead you somewhere. You should know like this sound or this word or this thing happening is going to lead me to this and it should like trigger your brain like i feel like we're, mm -hmm. you're, you know you're leading someone with a song and you should take them there you know and yeah you're leading the dance that's a real man yeah <laughs> i'm yep. just leading everybody i just want to lead the world <laughs> <laughs> but yeah american rock and roll is it i just love rock and roll and i don't feel like there's a lot of people who do good rock and roll and it's unfortunate and but i feel like it's starting to come back i feel like a lot of people call their music rock and roll say they're rock and roll but, but they're, they're not playing mandolins yeah a lot of people to their neck yeah and it's so tight like alice cooper was doing an interview lately and he was just like Dude. well it was great yeah it was so good like rock and roll happens in your crotch like you don't play your guitar up by your face there's no banjos yeah, in yeah. rock and roll man no you know why yeah. there's no banjos on Star Trek? Because <laughs> it's the future. <laughs> exactly. We live in the future. That's one thing that we, well, that, yeah, that I feel like is really important, you know? The future, like the Beatles, they push things forward. They did, yeah. Like music production, recording. I yes, mean, they like... The future. Yeah, they were looking to the future. Nowadays, everyone's looking to the past because they're too scared to make a move and take I a know. risk themselves. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Well, and there's this like there's this wussy thing happening in music where all these bands say it's so ironic. It's I'm like just sweater a bands. little rock yeah. and roll band. Yeah. Sing like this <laughs> where my breath was. And no it's like risk. that's not yeah. rock and roll. Like yeah. we we're listening, we we're reading like an interview with Joan Jett, and it was just like oh, pop music is like you know, take me for what I am. I'm I'm this yeah. song and I, I play I'm a ukulele. It's a tiny guitar, <laughs> but rock and roll is like you're mine, motherfucker. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's a sense of just being like you're mine. It's taking control. It is. It's taking control that d does not happen. I mean, it was really funny. Like Mumford and Sons, great musicians, but Alice Cooper was like, they're great, but. They're going around saying they're rock and roll, and they're not. Mm -hmm. they, it's folk. If I want to go see dudes in floral shirts that have sandals and play mandolins, then I'll go see Mumford and Sons. <laughs> yeah. But do not call Mumford and Sons rock and roll. Yeah. It's Alice just Cooper is rock and roll. <laughs> it's just Alice Cooper. Blood, guts, yeah. sweat, snakes, snakes <laughs> makeup, <laughs> oversized teeth. Glitter, you know? Crazy like, dentist with oversized <laughs> drills. That's rock and roll. Playing on your fears. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But I don't know. We could go on for days. Yeah. What's one of the best moments of rock and roll that you have experienced? <sighs> that I myself have experienced? Yeah. Wow, that's epic. I'll tell you something that's rock and roll. <laughs> I'll tell you something that's a risk. Okay, this, is, this might not be considered rock and roll to some, but I think this is extremely rock and roll. So there was a Miller plant. Oh my God, I knew you were going to tell that. There, this, there was a Miller plant in Ventura, California. And we all were underage, so we couldn't buy alcohol. Yeah. So what we did, we blasted the Rolling Stones, we drove down the train tracks, and we cut the fence of the Miller plant open. <laughs> we we cut it open with like yeah. giant cutters. bolt cutters. And then we, we snuck in like James Bond 007 against the wall so we wouldn't be filmed and we stole crates of alcohol as they were being loaded into the semi-trucks. When the guys would turn around, we'd snag the crate they had just thrown in there. We filled up an entire station wagon and then drove to Santa Barbara the next day while everyone was drinking in the car listening to Turbo Negro, just blasting. And I remember my friend who was driving... Well, it was stones the night before, but the next day it was, it, we were listening to um, Apocalypse Dudes on the way to Santa Barbara. Yeah. Just, we had this, you would look back in the car and there was just flats of liquor and booze. Like, man, Miller makes a lot of stuff. It was insane. And uh, <laughs> that to me is rock and roll. I mean, whatever. It's maybe cliche, but I mean, that was just like, it was insane. Like, it was like a group of people, like, taking risks, listening to music together, like, just partying and having a great time and just being crazy. Like, that's what it's about. It's about letting it all hang out, you know? No. Get a little loose. But now... Yeah, now it's just 24-7 work. <laughs> it's different now. 
I, I don't I don't live that lifestyle anymore. I mean, somewhat, but it's just it's difficult now because we perform so much. I mean, performing. I mean, I mean, whatever. I mean, our performances are drinking and performing and hanging out and having a great time, you know. But I mean, every day it's like on the internet responding to emails and all this other stuff. So I wish I could I could live with no responsibilities and get away with robbing liquor plants all the time. <laughs> that to me would be really cool in rock and roll. If I could listen to Chuck Berry every day and just rob liquor plants. I would be like a rock and roll bandit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that story does sum it up to some extent. <clears throat> cool. I'm glad we agree. <laughs> what does music mean to you? Music, it's just, it's just everything. It's 24-7. It's pumps through my veins. It's in my brain cells. It's been there since I was like 10 or 11 years old, and it hasn't left, and it only grows. And it's only going to continue to grow. It's just like... Every thought I have is somewhat connected to music now. I'm so intertwined with it. There is no difference. It's me. It's all of us. But that's the, that's the whole beauty of it. It's like the one universal language. It like floats in and out of everybody. It's just everything. It's like it's the cosmic. It's the, it's the cosmic connector. But yeah, it's, it's, it's like the collective. It's everything. It connects us all. It's, it's the wave that we're all surfing. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have kind of summed it up in different words, but kind of to that same <laughs> idea. Uh, so what other musical projects are you involved with? Well, Miss Alexandra. Now, you've been actually playing with her for quite a while. Yes, we've been playing off and on together. Well, it was before it became Alexandra and the Starlight Band, before it was yeah. when I had played with Mountains of California. Mm -hmm. And that was, God, what year was that? I think I was 18. That was right when I went to go re-record some material for the All Seeing Eyes record. When, 2008. That was 2008, yeah. yeah. So um, we've known each other for a decade but um, we started playing together in 2008. I caught a show of hers. I heard her bass player was leaving, and I, I decided at that moment on I was going to play in the band. So I did for a bit. And then um, we parted ways for a minute because I had to go do a record, and they had some stuff going on. And then we, and then we got back together, and she started, uh, we did Mountains, California. Playing, I was playing, I, you know, actually, I tried out playing bass. I tried to play bass. But once again, I, turned to, I went to guitar after all. Because, but now, you know, the funny part is I play bass now in the group because yeah. we don't have a bass player. So now <laughs> I'm the bass player. It's really great. But yeah, so I play in Alexandra and Starlight Band, my, uh, my girlies band. Who's, and, who's playing guitar now? Well, uh, who I mentioned earlier, Steve, Mr. Stevie C, Mr. Steve Campos. He plays guitar in both okay. All Seeing Eyes and Starlight Band. Gotcha, and gotcha. Normally we have two guitars in both groups, but right now playing bass guitar. So we have one mm -hmm. guitar, one bass, which is good. It's fun. Other than that, I'm not involved in any other musical projects. I would love to be, but I just don't have time at the moment. One day. I hope to produce. Well, I don't hope. I will. It's yeah. just a matter of time. Produce my record. Yeah, I produced the last Starlight yeah. Band record, which is really cool. I'm, that's something I'm... We're putting together a studio right now um, that I'm, I'm going to be getting into more and more as the future progresses. So, yeah, that's something Building exciting. a studio? Well, we have or, the space. It was yeah. built out. Yeah. It was built out by this amazing engineer, Robert Mound? Mon. Mon? Mon Mount, I'm sorry, Robert, if I if I just butchered your last name. Um, he's an amazing um, audio engineer, and they built the whole studio based off of like the 50s and 60s studios that Phil Spector oh, recorded in. Yeah, I've been. I just read uh, his one of his biographies. Oh, did you really? It's really good. How was it? Was yeah. it great? Oh, Phil Spector. Phil Spector in the wall, the wall of sound. I think is the one. Oh, that's yeah, called. I've heard of that. Yeah, really cool. So the room is based off all those, and uh, Robert. He created this his own sawtooth construction of the, of the of the roof and walls, so every like piece of sound is like bouncing off different ways. It's it's an amazing space. So right now we're getting all the gear together. So it's it's basically made for live performance. Everybody plays it's the same all time sound treated. Everything, it, yeah. yeah. You can do live you can do live bands. The whole um, yeah. control room is all sound treated, which it's supposed to be one of the best sounding ones in all of Los Angeles huh. because not a lot of rooms like that are so sound treated. But mm -hmm. he went with the. You know, we're thinking about, well, back in the 50s and 60s, while these records sound so great is because there was so much attention to the mix. You know, I mean, nowadays people spend so much time on the mics and the recording and then they just butch the mix and it sucks. Yeah. So they they made the control room for all the mixing really, really special and really well, nice. The mixing for that stuff, I think, was pretty much on the fly. Exactly. Too, right? They were so all you, doing it on the fly. They had to get the mix right because that's what you got. <laughs> exactly. So they had to yeah, they had to put a lot of yeah. thought in the mix because yeah, mm. like you said, it was on the fly. There was like four dudes there raising faders, like yeah. bump that up. Oh, you know, mm. like it's crazy. Which maybe one day we'll record like that. That would be really cool. So yeah, so right now we're putting all the gear together to outfit the studio that's already built out. For our own record label, which is going to, yeah. you know, it's our headquarters now. So 
that's some new exciting stuff we have coming up. How exactly are you involved in that? You're going to be in the studio, just working as part of the studio team, or well, for our record label. Studio. Yeah, it is your studio. It's, it's our recording studio. Okay. We own the space, okay. yes. and uh, it's ours. So once cool. once it's all yeah. running, you know, I'll be recording bands, and we'll be recording our own music and whatnot, yeah. and producing. And then once time allows it, we'll be signing other artists. Yeah. Once the time allows it. We're rehearsing there now. Yeah, right now it's our rehearsal space because the gear isn't there, but it'll be there yeah. soon. But uh, you know, once once we're again, once we have some more time, I would like to get some more artists for the record label and. Record some records there. Oh, that's and, super and exciting. Make yeah. some cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be really great. We have some other exciting news that you are the first person to find. All right. Zach's forgetting the other exciting news. <laughs> I wish you, I wish this was filming, but we got engaged last night. All right. Well, congratulations, <laughs> yeah, guys. Thanks. You guys are the first. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to the women to see this. <laughs> 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 so what is the rock and roll wedding Do oh you man know well yet, so we want to have turbo negro play and we also want to get a priest with alice cooper makeup to or, marry us but we thought that would be weird the singer ghost <laughs> are you familiar with the band ghost that new band ghost i don't know ghost okay ghost when you get a chance saber to the tiger baby, it'll blow uh, your mind you're gonna love them yeah. seriously it's insane they're like oh, a heavy awesome. hard rock band from the 70s but now wearing like huh. glitter priest yeah. outfits with skull yeah, masks yeah Huh. They're one of the coolest new bands I've ever witnessed in my life. Oh, I'll look them up then. Yeah. They're, they're they're amazing. Great. So we I went would and saw them live. And the singer Papa, Papa Emeritus. And it's like Emeritus. I yeah. I forget his last name. Anyways, he dresses up like a priest, and we want I want him to marry us. Papa, <laughs> will you do it? Will you do it? But yeah, I don't know. We're we're discussing. We need to have some. Uh, we're making wedding platforms, actually. That's our what a rock and roll wedding looks like, wedding platforms. Our friend Chris Francis has a company called Lovecraft Leather. He does all this oh, stuff sweet. for Lita mm. Ford, and he does all this custom stuff. Journey. Journey. <laughs> he made uh, our leather jackets, but we want to get wedding platforms made, and that's I want the soles of my shoes to say, fuck you, <laughs> and the soles of his shoes to say, fuck me. And they're going to be silver metallic leather. Fuck you, fuck me. That's marriage, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's our wedding plans as of that's the moment. That's a rock and roll wedding. And all the beer will be supplied from the Miller plant. <laughs> whether they like whether they know it or not. Via right? the Miller plant. <laughs> Oil cans all around. That is big news. What other stuff do you guys got coming up on the horizon for either either or any of the bands oh, or projects? Man. Well, we're both working on some new releases, actually. Um, mm -hmm. Alexander and I both just finished writing a couple new songs for um, an All Seeing Eyes release, which uh, should be due out in the winter. And then we're going to take some time off to write new Alexander and the Starlight Band record and record in the house in our new studio. That'll be coming up in, what, spring? March or so? So we'll have some new releases coming up and... Who knows what before then. I'm sure there'll be a million things that'll pop up. We were also going to be performing August 31st at the Nightlight. For those of you who are local Oaklandiers, um, right. the, the Nightlight on Broadway. Really, really great bar. Really cool whiskey bar downstairs. August 31st. August 31st, yes. It's yeah. got a really cool retro look to it. It's very so nice. Cool. It's, it's Locked velvet wallpaper. Mm -hmm. and it's great. Yeah. And that'll be both the Starlight Band and All Seeing Eyes and a couple other... Um, Oh, and the Modern Kicks, they're really cool. Younger punk rock band, they're great. That'll be a great show. They're really great. I really enjoy them. <laughs> they have mandolins? No. <laughs> they have all, they've got four mandolins, and they play Thin Lizzy-esque harmonies on their mandolins. Well, that's got a rock roll. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, one other question I want to ask you is, uh, we talked a lot about rock and roll and things, oh, but what yes. other hobbies and uh, passions do you have outside of music? <laughs> If, is there any? Me. Absolutely none. I don't have anything outside of music. Oh, yeah. Okay. Clothes. I yeah. love shoes. clothes. That's true. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll give you that. Shoes. Clothing and shoes. But I feel like that kind of rolls into music. You know, I mean, the yeah. presentation is so, it's so part, you know, visual and audio. It's eating. Okay. And I love food. I love, I love eating. Yeah. I love good food. Uh, we've been watching Anthony Bourdain on like repeat nonstop. That is awesome show. Yeah. Oh my God. Bourdain's, he's a punk rocker. He's a badass. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and Miss Alexandra over here is a great cook. So we make a lot of great food. She made uh -huh. some amazing ribs. They were insane. 
They were they were so good. I called them proposal ribs. <laughs> and now she's got to make them again. <laughs> and I was like, "Honey, next time you get in these ribs, it's because you proposed to me. Don't expect to be seeing these ribs till there's a ring on it." Time to start cooking. <laughs> well, what he a put ring a ring on, on it, so I owe him some ribs. Yeah, no, honestly, clothing, food, alcohol, and music. Or dog. Yeah, our dog Ziggy, he's a rad pug. He's a fug. He's a fat, ugly pug. (laughs) (laughs) He's another full-time hobby. Other than that, I mean, it's all music-related. You know, recording, I love recording and all that stuff. And I mean, it's basically... You love movies, dog. I do love movies. You know what? I want to actually direct some stuff. I I really do love movies, you know. um, Like Rob Zombie's been getting into a lot of directing, for example. I love love Rob Zombie's movies. They're so cool. They're so weird and vintage and retro, but so like brutally modern. Like they're Mm -hmm. intense. They're pretty intense. All these movies I've never seen. They're great. I I do love movies and I would love to direct at some point as well. After I produce a bit, I'm going to take a break. Go direct. Anybody, (laughs) anybody, anybody want to make that happen? Let's make it happen. (laughs) Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you'd like to talk about before we get into some music? Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, you love me a lot. Yes. (laughs) I love Alexander Starlight so much. And I'm awesome. (laughs) This is out of control. (laughs) Uh, Other than just some more music, uh, if you want to check out all of our upcoming shows and there's Mm -hmm. music, if you want to look at our crazy limited edition records we've made, you can check it out at ZacharyJamesBand.com. And that's Zachary with a CH. You can also find us on Twitter at ZachJamesBand or Instagram if you want to creep. You want to lurk it? It's a Zachary James band. It's all if you search Zachary James band, you'll be able to find everything. Or there's also Alexander Starlight, who you've heard a couple a couple of things from here. Alexander band, you can find out what we're doing for her band as well uh, at Alexander band on Twitter and at Alexander Starlight on Instagram. Very cool and congratulations, guys! Thank you, thank you so much for having us. All right, no problem. And now we feature a live performance by Zachary James and Alexandra Starlight. So this song is called Can't Stop Drinking About You. It's an old Thunderboy song, but we've rearranged it to be an acoustic song because it was originally just like an old kind of blues country song, but we all couldn't really play, and our guitars were just too distorted. But this is what it should have sounded like. And also, country music is uh, me and Zach's retirement plan. This is also true. We figure when we're gray and we're 80, we'll still look great in nudie suits and acoustic guitars. So uh, we we plan to retire on country music. Country's where rock and roll goes to die. (laughs) And where it was born, honey. Count my quarters, head to the bar. Not the girl that you said you are. Baby, now I'm drinking about you.
Self-destruction is the only solution I can't stop, can't stop Drinking about This next song is off our new record entitled Space Case. Alexandra and I wrote together. It's called My Planet is Red, Your Planet is Blue, and it's actually a duet as well. Thanks. I see you down there, oh, with your space black hair. Stars in your eyes Wanna see you tonight <laughs> When our planets align We travel through time And it's a long road Getting back Back My planet is red Your planet is blue Honey, sweet, and so are you My planet is red your planet is blue Honey, sweet, and so are you I've been hanging around Won't you come on down Look up at the sky I wanna, wanna see it tonight when our planets align We travel through time And it's a long road Getting back My planet is red Your planet is blue Honey, sweet, and so are you My planet is red Your planet is blue Honey, sweet, and so are you This next song we're going to play is called Rescue Me. I wrote this one a long time ago. It ended up being about, uh, about Alexandria. Really? Yeah. All right. This is not about me, is it? Wasn't that you a second ago trying to claim it was? I don't know. I was just trying to push you. Two, again. three, four. <laughs> <laughs> you know that girl down the street? Yeah, always hear about her Like an angel, Lord, sweet as to be Always had a wonder What she thinks of me Wish that she could see here I can only hope that she will come